0: I can remain standing as we read this morning scripture, which comes from first Peter uh, chapter two, verses four through ten. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we're going to be continuing our sermon series where we're looking at the different imagery where Jesus is in light and is referred to as light in both um, the, the Gospels and also the letters in the New Testament. And this morning we're going to be looking and seeing how God invites us to invite the light of Jesus into our lives, to illuminate and to illumine every aspect of our life in order to draw us out of darkness. This morning our scripture comes from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. Peter is a letter in the New Testament whose authorship is attributed to being written by the Apostle Simon Peter. Sometime between 64 and 68 AD, we know from the book of Acts, if you go and read the first 015-16 oh, chapters of the book of Acts, we know that Peter continued to lead the Christian church and the Christian movement after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus up until Peter's death in Rome about, 19, or about 1968, Wow, uh, 68 AD. The book of Acts documents Peter's evangelistic ministry as he travels with the apostle Silas. Uh, Silas is the same apostle that uh, traveled with the apostle Paul for a period of time. But later Silas joins up with Peter in his ministry and the two of them plant house churches in Asia Minor which is kind of modern day Turkey. Peter is remembered for his leadership within the disciples and later his ministry among the Gentiles who were outside of the Jewish faith but who heard the gospel of Jesus, accepted the gospel, and received him into their hearts and changed their lives. And so if you read very briefly in Acts chapter 10, it gives us a story of Peter and this change that's important for us to think about later in this sermon. Because in Acts 10, there's a vision that Peter has. And Peter has a vision where a, a tablecloth, you could see the photo here, is lowered from heaven, and on the tablecloth is all sort of food and all sorts of animals that were forbidden for those in the Jewish faith to eat. God told Peter he could take and eat anything off of the tablecloth, meaning that what Peter could do was set aside the, the um the cleanliness gnaws of being a practitioner, a faithful practitioner of the Jewish faith, and not entering the home of Gentiles, but he could now do so in order to carry the gospel to those that were outside of the Jewish faith. Well, this is important. It's important for us to think about because in Acts 15, uh, the Jerusalem Council is what we read about, and the Jerusalem Council is a gathering of the leaders of the church that, that came together to determine. Whether the gospel was to remain within the Jewish faith or whether the gospel was to exit and go beyond the confines of the Jewish faith uh, to be carried out to the Gentiles. While some of the other leaders in the Christian movement were inclined to keep the gospel of Jesus within the Jewish faith, it was Peter's testimony of this vision and the testimony of Paul that enabled the Christian church to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ was for all people. So that's important for us as we read this morning's letter and as we think about it. Because this morning we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, and 1 Peter, um, the author Simon Peter is writing to churches in Bithynia. Uh, Bithynia, which is in northern Turkey, was the same area that if you'll read the book of Acts, Paul had wanted to enter in, but the Holy Spirit had prevented him from going there. And so instead, Paul turned southward. He turned and, and continued his ministry in Corinth and uh, Ephesus and, and you know, Galatia, the region of Galatia and Rome, other places that we read about his ministry and, and about the letters that he writes to each of these different churches. So Paul has been forbidden to go to this region that you can see on the map here in the northern part uh, of, uh, ahead of Galatia. You know, at some point, Paul was going to head northward, but the Holy Spirit stopped him. That's because Peter was going to Bithynia, and it was part of God's plan for him to go in this place. And, and so Peter is writing this letter today to these churches that, uh, who have most recently become followers of Jesus. The majority of the followers of Jesus are not Jewish, so they don't have this Jewish foundation on which they can base their faith. It means they don't have a knowledge of the Old Testament where um, the apostle is able to talk about uh, the Old Testament books of like Isaiah and other portions of the scripture that, that Paul and others are able to rely on when they're in ministry to these regions that, have prior, that are Jewish um, converts. And so Peter's writing a letter to this community. Where he's obviously been, he's obviously carried the faith, he's obviously formed a church or a group of house churches that are meeting together and now he is writing them as we read uh, you know, when, with Paul's letters and everything else. He's writing them to uh, answer questions and to deal with problems that of course we don't know about because we don't have any versions of the letters that, that Peter may have received or someone brought a message to him. But what we can do is we can assume or, or make a good guess of what he is addressing by reading his letters. And so one of the issues that the, this early Christian church in Bithynia was, was dealing with was the persecution and the exclusion of those who had recently become followers of Jesus Christ. Friends, this isn't exclusive to this region. If you read uh, the book of Ephesus, you know, we know in the book of Ephesus that so many people were converting to the Christian faith that it was having an impact on the silversmiths. And they were uh, not selling as many of the the little icons or idols uh, to the different Greek gods that that they had before, namely Artemis. And so the silversmiths rose up and and they got upset with Paul and they drove him out of the city. Peter, I think, you know, his church is experiencing the same thing. Maybe not to the same uh, level of what we read about in Ephesus, but I'm sure it was similar. Because these people are becoming Christians, they're becoming a part of a faith that is different. And so they're being persecuted, they're being excluded. Their community, their friends, their families, they, they just didn't know what to do with them. The larger culture didn't know what to do with them and, and to see how they fit in. And so they were part of this new community that's just so different that really there wasn't a category for them. For example, there's just a few things that I've come across or was reading about. You know, they're unpatriotic because they stopped participating in worship of the emperor. Emperor. They were disloyal to the city and community. They would not participate or even go through the motions when their community offered a sacrifice or other worship to the gods. Little G-gods, not big G-god. Um, they were unprofessional because they stopped attending the, the guild meetings. Maybe they were a, a metal worker or, or some other craftsperson. And the guild would meet in a pagan temple for their, for their meetings and they stopped attending the meetings because they didn't want to attend or or be in the pagan temples, so they were considered unprofessional. They were accused of hating their families because so many families and celebrations, family events, happened in the temples. They were morally different, having separated themselves from the larger community and their drunkenness and their other acts of pagan worship. Their belief in Christ made them different. Their belief in Christ made them different, and because of that difference, they were finding a new identity in Christ Jesus. These are the things that Peter is thinking about when he's writing to this church, to this Christian community, who have, who, who have, who have heard the gospel of Jesus and who have received it. And they've been invited to come to Jesus, and Peter reminds them, just as Paul does, that just as Jesus was rejected, so might they be. Peter reminds this Christian community that uh, they're invited to come to Christ, who was also rejected by his community, that Jesus was rejected by the same community that he came to save. And Peter writes to them, As you come to him, to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you hear what Peter's saying? What he is telling the early Christian church and what he is telling us is that we are the stones through which God is going to rebuild the temple. Living stones by which God is going to uh, work through His Spirit through which God is going to inhibit within us, using the Spirit to to work through us and to guide us and to direct us, what Peter is saying is they're not to be pausing everything that they are doing, looking to Jerusalem, anticipating the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. What Peter is saying is that through the working and the indwelling of the Spirit, through the sacrifice of Jesus, he's saying you are the temple and you are part of the temple of God. You are part of the new creation that is happening in and through Jesus. You are the living stone because you have received the message of hope and of life and of grace and of forgiveness that comes only from the one who is the living stone. That's Jesus, right? And so we have to be careful when we read these verses because these verses at times, you know, they're used because it says you are chosen, you are chosen, you are chosen. And, and we can read them and think that, that what it's telling us is that, you know, God has predestined us to be a, a person of faith. God has predestined or already chosen you as opposed to someone else to be a person who hears the message of hope and of grace and of forgiveness and has accepted it and has received it. But that can't be furthest from the case. Because as Wesleyan Christians, what we believe is that when Jesus came and when he died and when he offered himself on the cross, he did that for all people. So all people have the opportunity to hear, to receive, to have their life changed, to profess their faith in Christ. It means that God's given us all the opportunity to repent, to turn from our sin. We believe that God has has provided grace to all people, but we believe that all people have the opportunity to either A, accept it, or B, reject it. So what Peter is saying to us is that Jesus has made himself a living sacrifice. He has made himself the cornerstone on which all who hear this message of hope and this message of grace can um, accept and receive and build their life upon it. And it's when we choose to accept this, this gift of Christ, that he makes us a part of the temple of God on earth. Friends, that's when you can take and you can look and you can see where God takes your times of darkness and He turns them into light. I don't know how many people have thought or can think of times in their lives when maybe things weren't going wonderfully. Maybe there were, um, you know, situations, um, just, you know, whatever it is. And you're able to look back now and you're able to see where God has taken that time that was of the most difficulty. And God has brought it out into the light and made it something that is of the light for you now. Because God takes our times of darkness and he turns them into times of light. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen people. You're a holy priesthood, a, ro- a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's called us out of the darkness to live in his wonderful light. Light that leads to following God. Light that allows us to be in the presence of God. Light that leads us to follow his word. Light that allows us to have the humility to submit ourselves to the prompting of the Holy Spirit that's working in us and through us and around us. This isn't by accident. God hasn't done this by accident. God hasn't done this as a coincidence. Because what God has done is He has chosen you to be a part of His people because you have responded to the gift of grace and you have responded to the forgiveness that He has offered you. He has chosen you for living, for forgiving, for relationship, for community and for everything else that he has to offer. Friends, this is the light that we receive. Light that allows us to come out of the darkness. Light that turns the darkest times into times later where we'll able to see the presence and the power of God and the way he has been with us. It's light that comes from Jesus as he equips and enables us to be his people. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 4-6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, make His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Christ.